What are some of the things that bring you joy? Kids? Okay. Somebody got really excited last service. They said pizza. I mean, they were so loud about it. But according to a study by the University of Zurich, researchers have found a connection between happiness and the performance of selfless acts. Giving to others, they say, activates an area of the brain linked with contentment um, and reward cycle. And their experiments, they found that people who behaved generously were happier afterwards than those who behaved more selfishly. However, the amount of generosity did not influence the increase in their contentment. And so the scans revealed that the brain areas that were most active um, during altruistic acts were the areas associated with generosity. So it's the temporal parietal junction, which is, it should come up maybe. Anyway, we'll move on. Oh, there it is. Okay, so that, see that circle? It says TPO. That is the temporal parietal junction. So they saw that that area got activated, and then there was an area, there's an area in the brain associated with happiness, and that's called the ventral stratum, and I'm probably mispronouncing half these words, but reacted strongly during the scans. So in other words, generosity does you good. And see, science is trying to learn what Jesus has been trying to teach us for a very long time, right? And that is the generous people are the happiest people, okay? So in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, at the end of it, Paul quotes Jesus writing, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know it, so why don't you share it to the person sitting uh, next to you. Tell them it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you're online, go ahead and type in the comments, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And now tell them, well, bless me then. (laughs) Right? Um, But if we're meeting for the first time, my name is Ilsean. Um, and if you, for those of you that already know me, my name is still Ilsean, and I get to be one of the amazing pastors on this, uh, of this faith community that we call Evergreen, and I am so grateful for you. And today we are continuing our series on abundance, living out of the overflow, um, and we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. So you can open your Bibles, or you can open your apps, or you could just look at the screen, you know, (laughs) whatever you want to do. But it says in 2 Corinthians, it says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy. In their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And it goes on to say they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. So we're going to be talking about generosity today. 
And I want you to pay attention to your feelings as we talk about generosity. Because your feelings are good indicators of where you're at with that topic of generosity. But see, one of the first questions that pop into my mind after reading these verses is how do you do that? How do you come to a place of overflowing joy in the midst of a very hard trial, right? And how do you just well up in generosity? You give extravagantly in the midst of your own poverty. Some versions of the Bible said, say that it was a deep poverty. So to me, it just, it just makes me think, like, how, how did you do that? How, how did you get there? You know, and, and because the truth is that the human response in the moments of trial, not to mention moments of, of lack or extreme poverty, typically result in woe is a me kind of attitude right? And it's the, I got to look out for myself and we grasp at what we have because we have a fear of not having enough. And then we, we got to talk about too, that the filters that trials and, and poverty have on our experience or perspective of God. Rarely is joy and generosity what overflows in those hard moments. But yet I think that the Macedonian church has keyed into something. Because see, in the midst of their trial, we see that there's this result. And I don't know about you, but that, that's where I want to live. I want to be in a place that regardless of what's going on, regardless of what I see, regardless of what the news say or the election outcome is, I want to have peace. And I want to have joy even though it's not what I thought it should be, right? And so we, 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 we have to understand that there is a way that God has for us to live, right, what the Bible talks about, then there is a way that the world and the influence of this world tells us to live. And the message and the influence of the world is very loud and very clear. Because we are living in a material world, and I am a material girl. Right, Carlos could not pull off that one because he was definitely not a material girl. But see, that is the message of the world. Generosity is not a world idea. It is a God idea. See, and it originated with God. Generosity is a spiritual habit. Generosity is what we're supposed to do and live. And we are constantly faced with the influence, what the world says, but you should live this way. See, there is God's way and what God invites us to, this overflow, and then there is the world's way and what it invites us to, and it's lack. And I channeled my inner Jared for this one, for those of you that know who Jared Roth is, but he was really good at coming up with charts, so I tried. See, on one side... What God invites us to, this overflow life, is this life of gratitude. The opposite end is this life of discontent. And then there's this ability to trust. And then the world, what the world arouses is fear. And God says, give. The world says, get. 
God says, put others first, but the world says, no, it's me first. It's you first. God says, cooperate with me and my providence. And the world says, no, rally for yourself. It's about self-determination. God says, you get to practice stewardship because everything I have is what I've given you. The world says, take ownership of what you have. We know that everything is a gift from God, but the world says, no, you deserve this. You're entitled to this. God says, look out for your neighbor. The world says, look out for self, right? And we know that when we live God's way, there is abundance. But the world, we know that we operate out of scarcity. God says, sacrifice. The world says, comfort. And so we see the the big differences. But yet in the midst of all that, the Macedonian churches have learned something. And to me, there's something so enticing about living out of an overflowing joy and extravagant generosity. I want to have joy and I want to have peace. And see, in the way that they responded is God's way. The overflow way is the way that they responded. So let me share a little bit of the context of what's going on in this text. See, the Macedonian churches, which are located in northern Greece, knew that the Christians in Jerusalem were very poor because they had gone through famine, they had experienced war, and they had gone through persecution. So they really wanted to help because they knew that um, the Christians in Jerusalem needed help. And, but the reality is that they themselves had gotten their wealth taken from them by the Romans when they were conquered by Alexander the Great. But yet, they don't allow their circumstances, what they're living through, keep them from experiencing joy and experiencing generosity. And we see that they do three things in verses 3, 4, and 5. It says they give freely what they can, and they give sacrificially. So they give according to their ability and beyond their ability. They um, are proactive. They didn't wait to be asked. They begged for the privilege to participate and to give. And then the other thing that they do is they gave themselves first to the Lord. So first things first, and that's a model of Christian living. And I think it's one of those things we really need to learn to live. So I ask myself, in order to give yourself to God or to anyone for that matter, trust is needed, right? You've all seen the trust fall. I don't need to show you. thought about it, but I was like, nah. But you know when people just kind of let themselves fall and expect that the person that's behind them will catch them? Oh, for those of you that have children, right, when they're like ready to jump off the counter, you better be ready to catch them because that is what they are expecting. They are expecting mom and dad or uncle to catch them. There's just this trust that they're going to. So I I, want to share with you that when, when these Macedonians decided to give themselves to the Lord first, they were trusting that God, God has them. They were trusting God. So who is this God that they trusted, right? Well, he is a God who sets the standard for generosity. 
By nature, God gives. And not just enough, he gives abundantly and extravagantly. And we see different examples in the Bible. I mean, there is so many. It was hard to choose just a few. But see, we see it when he rescued his people from um, out of Egypt. And he says that he rescued them from slavery. And he led them to a land flowing of milk and honey. What does that mean? It illustrates this picture of abundance, of overflow. And, and God leads them there. And then when Jesus was at a wedding at Cana, what did he do? One of his first miracles, right? They ran out of wine. And he says that he didn't just meet their basic need to just give them a drink, but he made wine. And not, well, it wasn't just any wine because we see the response. And if you read it in John 2, you see the response of the person that tries it. And there's just this example of extreme generosity because it says it was the best wine. I was like, man, Jesus, when I get to heaven, I want to try some of that. You know, like it was the best wine. It was delicious and it was abundant. It was gallons and gallons of wine when you read the story. So we see that God displays generosity all throughout the story of the Bible. But we also see the greatest display of sacrificial generosity in John 3, 16, right? For God so loved that he gave. He gave, and it's this never-ending, unconditional love that is demonstrated in his giving to us. In Romans 8, 32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him Freely give us all things. So God displayed his generosity. Author Matthew Kelly says that the gospel is the story of the triumph of generosity. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is the embodiment of generosity. So when you say, I want to be more like Jesus, you're saying, I want to be more generous. And that is a good thing to be. See, this, this God who the Macedonians gave themselves to is a generous God, which means generous is who you are. Point to yourself. Say, generous is who you are. If you're in line, say, generous type, generous is who I am. Because, see, you, you might think that maybe um, with that statement, I'm assuming a lot, but see, the reality, the facts are these, that you are created in the image of God. And because you're created in the image of God, since God is generous, that means you too are generous. That's part of your DNA. And see, not only do we see God's generosity in the Bible, but you see it in creation. Because God could have just created sunflowers, and that's it. But he didn't. He made 400,000 species of flowers. He made 200 species of edible plants. He made 750 species of insects. I could have done without those. 10,000 species of birds and stars too numerous to count. I don't know if you see the picture. We have an extravagantly generous God. And see, every Good thing a person, whether a pre-Christian or a Christian, enjoys in life is a gift from God. And generous is who you are. So I want to take a minute to celebrate. 
that you are generous. See, one of our evergreen values, if, if you're new to the community and you did not know, one of our evergreen values is extravagant generosity. We give of our time, talent, and treasure here, near, and far. And because generous is who you are, in October, you gave $6,949 to Abuse Recovery Ministries. That's awesome. That means that over 70 women or, or 75 are being able to get help. That's amazing. Gracias. Thank you. And then on November 19th, which is coming up next week, you will be giving of your time and talent as you serve those outside the door in downtown Hillsboro. And what I've heard so far is that there is a good number of volunteers that have signed up already. So that makes me so excited to serve. And if for some reason you're not able to give of your time, well, we invite you to give of your treasure because we want to bless our community generously. We'll do arts and crafts. We're going to have different displays and different activities for the kids. So I'm excited to be part of that. And you get to be a part of that too. So thank you for signing up. And because generosity is for everyone, guess what? It's not only for adults, but it's your kids can do it too. So if you're a kid in the room, this is for you. Kids get to give of their time, talent, and treasure as they find ways to fundraise for Cover the Bum with Love. And as you heard it, it is a local nonprofit that supports foster families. And I love how creative kids get with their generosity. Some of them will ask grandma and grandpa for, you know, an extra allowance. Some of them will try to make you bracelets and sell them at a price that you never thought you purchased a plastic rubber band bracelet for, you know. But they, are, they will do, they will be creative. And I love that we get to share that with the kids. And because generous is who you are, last week we invited you to be part, to give of your time and your treasure to help us help 289 Pickhurst House students in a Hillsborough school district. And it's awesome to hear that we only have 75 bags left. So you still have an opportunity to be generous. So thank you for being part of that. And what's really cool about that is that, see, one of the things that I've discovered about generosity is that it's contagious. See, one of our, um, one of our uh, members here, she texts her coworker saying, hey, I'm going to take two bags to work. If you guys want to be a part of it, you can help me with the shopping list. And her boss responded, two bags? Why don't you go ahead and bring 30? I'm like, yes, thank you. That's amazing. So see, God loves when you live and move in the way that he created you to live and move, and that's generous. And I keep repeating it because I really want you to remember this truth. We can be generous because God is generous. You have everything you need to be generous. So how do you live it out, right? How do we do this? How do we live generously? Like the people that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 8. Well, I think 
Going back to what they did is they were proactive. Generosity is proactive. And they, 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 they just willingly did it. They knew that they were going to do it, and they did it. And the, one of the ways that we can be proactive with our generosity is by planning to be generous. And I, I was thinking um, um, this last week of going to the gym. Do you ever think about going to the gym? See, the gym is an interesting place. It's full of people, some who are very healthy and fit, and some who are not there yet. And seriously, there's like these guys that live their lives in the weight area because they can't even like give you a proper hug because their arms are too big. Not that I want them to. Please don't touch me. Um, But, you know, and then there are those who are out of breath just walking to the treadmill. I'm I'm one of those, you know, like, um, but... But there's a big difference between thinking about going to the gym and then actually going to the gym, right? right? See, thinking about working out doesn't really accomplish the end goal. Um, You have to actually do it to get the results. Then again, you, you don't really end up in the gym unless you plan on how to get there. And so um, planning and action are connected. And so I want you to plan your generosity in the same way with giving. I guess that you've probably given something spontaneously, and that's good. You need to, maybe you heard a need or heard a story, and it moved you to give. And you sometimes give based on whatever you have at the moment, and that's a good thing. But that's not the only way to give. See, when you give, if you only give spontaneously, when you feel led or when you, um, you're, you're really just putting a limit on what you can do and what God can do through you. Another way to think about it is um, giving is planning to give. And the Bible encourages us to plan ahead when it comes to our generosity. Abraham planned ahead for his son Isaac and sent gifts to his wife without even having met her. He planned ahead. And then in the Christmas story, we see that the Magi planned ahead and they had extravagant gifts to give to Jesus, the Son of God. And we see that God, right, we read it, God strategically showed his love for us by sending Christ while we were still sinners. God planned ahead. In Isaiah 32, 8, it says, um, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul encourages people in the church to decide in advance how much they want to give. So for me, planning my generosity starts by using this thing called a budget. You know, I had no idea what a budget was. It's something that I learned when I took a finance class at the church that I was attending at the time. And I remember I titled my Excel sheet, God's Money to Ilsean. So I was starting to understand that it wasn't mine to own, but it was mine to steward. And in taking this class, I learned about this thing called the tithe. See, I was a new Christian, so I had no idea what that was. A tithe means a tenth. So it's 10% of your earnings. 
and you're invited to give it to God through the church. Now, don't tune me out, okay? You're like, oh, gosh, there she goes. I'm just going to, no, listen, listen, listen. I had just finished college, so I wasn't really making much. I think I was still working part-time. I had a bunch of credit card debt, a car payment, bills, a negative amount in my checking account. I'm not proud of it. It's really sad. And I had $5 in savings. And the only reason why I had $5 in savings is because that was like the limit. Like you had to have $5 to keep the account. So I kept $5 in there. And see, can you tell I really needed this class in my life? (laughs) I really did. I had no idea what I was doing with my finances. It was a mess. But I remember um, when the lesson taught about learning to trust God with giving him your first 10% instead of it being the last or what was left over. To me, that was like, wait, what? So, like, you're asking me to give before I actually, like, pay my bills and my rent and, like, what? And they were like, yeah, that is how faith works. You give first. And you trust God. And, um, and then they read Malachi 3.10. I'm not going to read it. You, you can go home or open your Bible app and read it on your own. Malachi 3.10. When I read that verse, I was like, oh, no. What? I've been doing this? I haven't been giving my tithe. And it talks about stealing from God. And it talks about being under a curse. I was like, I don't want to be under a curse. Like, I don't want to live that way. Like, so I was like, so it really motivated me to like, okay, this is really hard. But this is how I can trust God. So I'm going to plan to give God every paycheck 10% of what I get before anything else. And man, I know that sometimes, you know, it's the action behind the planning that trips us up. So I, I decided it's going to happen, and I love that now technology, like, helps you because you could, like, set it to be recurring and to be automatic. Back in my day, it was checkbooks. So I, do you remember those? People still use those? It was, it was, it was writing those, and, and I just remember it was a step of faith every time I wrote that. But see, that is how I planned on being generous. And maybe you're here and you're listening to me to me here say this stuff, and you're just like, well, how do I figure out my finances? Because I feel like I'm in a lot of debt and I'm in a mess too. Guess what? I got the answer for you. In January, we have three amazing leaders who are going to be generous with their time and their talent, and they're going to teach a Financial Peace University class. And we invite you, if that's you and you need help, sign up for that class. Registration will open in January, I think, or maybe earlier. But you can do that. It'll be on our website. But that's a tool that you can use to help you figure out this generosity thing or how to live a life that honors God or trusting God. And see, because Jesus has been so generous towards us, we can be generous towards others. And what I love about the Macedonians is that they understood that it's not just giving what they were able to give, what was within their ability, but it was giving beyond their ability, right? The sacrificial giving. And see, I remember this one time. So I had like worked hard and saved my money to buy 
a pair of shoes. The high top all stars. I like, I had never owned a pair and it was like, I just really wanted a pair of white high top all stars. And I was like, I really want those chucks. So I saved up. And I remember going to the store, just like feeling like, man, I'm not buying this with a credit card. I actually saved for these and I get to buy them and take them home. And so I buy them, I take them home. And usually I'm the kind of person that like the minute I buy something, I'm going to wear it. Just, just how I roll. But you know, for some reason, every time I try to wear those shoes, I would have a change of mind. And, and I just didn't wear them. And I just, they stayed in my closet longer than that, that they would normally do. So it I think two weeks had gone by and I hadn't worn them. I used to lead the small group of young adults in my apartment. And one of the nights, this girl who was new gets invited by one of our friends. And while we were ending the group praying, I just have this sense or this thought that says, give her your shoes. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what shoes? <laughs> right? What are you talking about? And I just knew, like, I'm supposed to give her my brand new shoes that I haven't even worn. Man, that was sacrificial. <laughs> and so I decided that at the end of prayer, I went and got them, and I said, hey. Well, actually, before I got them, I asked her, you know, because I really wanted to confirm there was a Lord. I was like, um, what size of shoe do you wear? And she was like, a seven and a half. And I was like, ah, What? I was like, no, that's my size. I was like, okay, Lord, I get it. I'm going to do this. So I go, and I give her the pair of shoes, and then she just starts crying. And she shares what she's going through and what she thought God said to her. And I got to be a part of that. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think I've never been happier giving away a pair of shoes than at that moment. So I don't know where you are on the spectrum of generosity, like on a scale from one to ten. One being like Mr. Scrooge from A Christmas Carol, and ten being like a Rick Warren who gives 90% of his income and lives on 10%. That is wild to me. So I don't know. I don't know if you're like, oh, definitely a 10. Or maybe you're like a 5 or 6. I don't know where you are. And that's for you to know and God to help you figure out. But see, I think that what I want you to do is to, whether you are a 5 or a 6, is to stretch yourself a little and trust God to give more to be more generous than you've been. And that's one of the things that Carlos always look, we look at our, how generous we were the year you know, before, and then our goal becomes, okay, let's give more this year. How can we give more this year? And it's not just financial, right? It's your time. It's of your talent. Some of you guys are really gifted and can give your talent and, and, and share your talent with others, like what our worship team does. That's, they're sharing their talent with us. And so... Whatever it is, whether you are at a five or a two or a four or a one, maybe you 10% seems unattainable. I'm not going to give God 10% of my money. Maybe it's just too much for you. You just can't get your hand around it. Maybe you can start with 2%. Yeah. 
and stay faithful and stay consistent and give God and keep stretching yourself. See, there is a story that um, Eugene Peterson shares in one of his books, and it's the story of um, a mama bird and three birds. And the mom is trying to get them to fly, right? So what they do is they eventually just push them off the branch, and then the bird is supposed to do what it's created to do. And so the first bird went ahead and did it, and of course, you know, Birds aren't always like, yay, I'm going to fly. Like, they're scared. And so the second bird does it, and the third bird's like, no, I learned. I'm not going to. No. So the bird really clings onto this branch. And you could see the bird fighting. And, like, with every move, there's a stretch. With every push and the pecking of the, of the mama bird, there's a stretch and a stretch. And finally, it gets to the point where the bird flies out and springs its wings. And see, I think with you, I want you to live such a generous life that you flap up your wings and you freely live the way that God's intended you to live. But maybe it starts with a little stretch. Just keep stretching yourself until you get to the point where you can experience the joy and the overflow that God has for you. So I want to invite you to trust God today. I want to invite you to plan your generosity and act on it. Would you close your eyes right where you are? And I, I, I want to make two invitations today. And one, maybe you're here and um, you've heard that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, God loves you. His love for you is generous and he wants you to have an abundant life. So maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. But today you want to make that decision to put your faith in Jesus. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're making that decision today, whether online or here in person, if you're in person, would you look up at me so that I can agree with you that you're making that decision to put your faith in Jesus, to say yes to his generosity? Is that why you're looking at me? I agree with you. If there's anybody else, just look up at me so I can agree with you. He loves you. He died for you. He has forgiveness of sins for you. And if you're online, if you can type Jesus, that is your way of letting us know that you're saying, yes, I want this gift of faith. Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the generosity demonstrated on the cross. And Lord, thank you for the young man back there who has said yes to Jesus today. And Lord, I pray that we as a community would help him walk and journey with you, that you would help him know that you are his Lord and Savior. And Lord, for the rest of us here, Lord, I pray that we would live out of the identity that you've given us as children of God that we would be able to be generous because you, God, are generous. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling, that they say, like, I don't have enough, so what am I supposed to give? Lord, I pray that they would start where they are, that they would give of their time, that they would give of their treasure, that they would give of their talent, but that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to move from a two- to a three. 
and then eventually help us to live in the freedom that you want to give us, that generosity. Help us to live in the joy that comes from trusting you. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Can we applaud the Lord? I just want to celebrate that somebody said yes to Jesus. We're so grateful for that. We are so grateful for you. And I am overjoyed that we get to do this together. And we get to trust God and serve him and be a blessing to others. So with that in mind, remember, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So you are blessed to be a blessing. So may that week be that for you today. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Happy Sunday.